listening to Pod on the Suit, your Steve and Tony fandom podcast. I'm Ferret. And I'm Flame. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Flame. Hi, fandom. Welcome, welcome to season two, episode two. Thank you to Minobu for our lovely cover art. And since we've got Minobu's art, you probably guessed that we're talking about Winter Iron since they are synonymous to most people. This is one of our favorite ships that Fair and I don't talk about a whole lot. So we wanted to give some space to do that. And it's so rich on its own. So first up is the conversation I got to have with Riot and Stella about the ship and why they love writing it. Flame and I then chat about our Tony and Bucky feelings. And then we hear from you guys in Calm Talks and you get your trope off update. And finally your events forecast. Per use, lots to talk about. So let's get started. Hello, Podcastlandia. I am here today for some Winter Iron Chat with Riot and Stella. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, Hello, I'm thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we'll start off the way that we always do with fandom origin stories. Stella, would you get us kicked off? Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I guess if we're talking about like the very first time that I ever was part of a fandom or wrote fan fiction, it would probably be for Smallville. Um, when I was like 10 or 11, maybe. Um, and at that time, I didn't understand fandom spaces. I didn't know anything. The only thing I knew was that there was this thing called Quizilla, where people would write fan fiction <laughs> as like a quiz that you could take. Um, so that was the very first time that I ever wrote something and posted it online was for Lex Luthor and female original character <laughs> at like 10 years old. <laughs> Totally it fair. Was not great. <laughs> and then, so what transitioned from that to Marvel? Like, where where did that? Did you go straight from Smallville to Marvel, or were there other stops along the way? You know, I think it was it was a long time after that before I, I really seriously attempted to write something that wasn't hot garbage. Um, so I think it was, it, you know, when the MCU really became a thing like when Iron Man came out I was like wow this is amazing like I love this character so much but there was never like I have to write about him it wasn't until the Winter Soldier came out that my brain latched on to you know Bucky Barnes and I was like wow this character is incredible like there's so much nuance to him in so few lines and that was when I was like okay I, I would like to write something um, and <laughs> I think you know, it's my hypothesis that people, when they start out writing fan fiction, either start out writing like, you know, two characters that already exist, or it's basically a self-insert because, you know, we want to live in that world. We want to be able to interact with Tony Stark and Bucky Barnes. So that's what I wrote was um, Bucky Barnes and basically a self-insert. And that was my first foray <laughs> into the MCU. <laughs> We all get there in our own ways. For sure. And I, I completely understand with wanting to interact with Tony and Bucky. That's one of the reasons I write them. So <laughs> I get that completely. Riot, what about you? What's the what's the fandom origin on your end? Um, so uh, basically as far as I can remember, like as long as I've loved a TV show, I've been searching down and reading fanfic about it. Like the longest, the farthest back I can remember is Digimon. So whatever age I was watching that, that's where I started. 
and so I've just I've just always been reading fanfic as long as I can remember basically I can't get enough of the stories I love (laughs) and um yeah I think I got into um the MCU probably around the time Avengers came out feel like that was the big boom there um I'd seen the movies before that but that was really really got into like reading I didn't write my first fanfic until um last year I think year before maybe okay yeah like I've I've written but I was that was just like stories for me with like original stuff that I never intended to do anything with but yeah I just I read so much fanfic and I was like it's not enough I have stories in my head now and I'm going to try writing them. And here I am. I love it. I think a lot of us resonate with that. Yeah, mine mine was, uh, I, I walked out of a movie and was like, oh, I have to fix that. So <laughs> I think that's really common. So what made you guys land on Winter Iron? Uh, I know I have my own emotional thoughts, but I'd love to hear yours. What about this ship works for you? Um, I really love the the parallels of them, of kind of their their stories and, you know, the captured and the held against their will and escaping in their own ways. And I just, I really like um, the dynamics of it. And they're kind of nerds, kind of dry and sarcastic. And uh, um, actually, it kind of reminds me of, I don't really say this much, but it reminds me of me and my husband. I'm like the really really talkative sarcastic one and he's really quiet and he kind of sits in a corner and people are like does he hate me and I'm like no he just doesn't talk when you're here he never shuts up when it's us (laughs) Mr. Flame is a little bit quieter in groups of people but if you get about three beers in him you are never ever going to shut him up so I uh, yeah I get that completely. And then he never stops talking to me. So I get that dynamic completely. Mm-hmm. Stella, what about you? What, what resonates about the boys? Um, the boys, what can I say about them? They just have my whole heart. Like I, I loved Bucky in the first Avenger and then seeing him as the winter soldier, just, it was so incredible seeing the differences in those two people. And then, you know, like, like Riot said, knowing how broken and hurt that they both are and how they can relate to each other through those things, that that really appeals to me because I'm always interested in, you know, if these characters were real people, what would they really be like? You know, how, how would they interact with, you, with each other? What sort of issues would they have? Um, so I think that's my, my longstanding interest in like who people are and trying to portray characters through that lens of who are these people and knowing who Bucky is and who Tony is it's just so easy for me to picture them you know joking and laughing and Bucky being like wow you created this artificial intelligence and I remember watching your you know your dad's failed car try to fly and him just being so enthusiastic about this stuff on a level that I think Tony doesn't get from a lot of people so there's there's a lot, but it's just like, I, I just see them working <laughs> together, you know, just like they click. I agree. It's interesting. A lot of the stuff that you guys mentioned is very canon based things. Do you tend yeah. to interact with them more in canon or more in alternate universes? I do more canon, I think, although okay. it's, to be fair, my own version of canon where it's, I take what I want and I leave what I don't. <laughs> 
I mean, let's be really honest. The whole point, the whole point of transformative works is that we cherry pick what we like, but in, Mm -hmm. so, but so let me, I'll, let me ask the question better. Are you more into writing them as Iron Man and Winter Soldier or more into writing them as normals, writing them and reading them and just bringing other elements? Like for instance, I love taking them and making them royalty AUs or putting them in a coffee shop or things like that. I tend to not write them as Iron Man and Winter Soldier unless it's like a stocking stuffer or something really, really short. If I'm going to do a long form thing, I tend to play with their relationship and their characteristics outside of being Winter Soldier and Iron Man. Cause I like the challenge of how do we do the, how do we get the fact that, that both of them were, have experienced non-consensual body modification and they both understand torture and things like that. How do I do that outside of Winter Soldier and Iron Man? So that's my, the puzzle I particularly like, I like solving. But I know you guys interact with them more within the canonical form. So that's why I was asking that question. I've always uh, super loved I I love superheroes. I love any sort of superhero story. I think that's why I tend to stick um, in canon more, both reading and writing, is I like superhero AUs in other fandoms were my shit. That was my favorite thing. (laughs) Fair enough. So now, yeah, so now I'm like, oh, everything's a superhero AU. It's perfect. I do like, I love basically all AUs, but yeah, any superhero story. So I tend to stick to canon the most yeah and it's for me it's like I'm usually struck by a mood whenever I want something that's an AU you know like I'll I'll be cleaning the house or watching tv or something like that and my brain will go oh you know what we should read we should read winter iron where he's a knight and tony's the king and i'm like yeah okay let's read that for next week and then get really sick of it and then go back to canon <laughs> and then yeah i will say sharp your, AU. <laughs> your prompts in the servers we are in together are very specific and i can tell when you are in a mood <laughs> like I'm like okay Stella okay okay I don't think that exists but let's figure out how to make it exist (laughs) yeah that's how my brain goes my brain is like I'm gonna fixate on this for the next week and you're just gonna have to live with it I'm like well I mean I love them so who cares (laughs) but I think you also asked like as far as us writing them what we prefer is that is that true you asked that absolutely yeah okay um I I think I'm like trying to think back on everything that I've written. I think 99% of the winter iron that I have written is canon stuff. And I think the only one that's not is um, the mob AU. Um, I think that sounds right to me. Yeah. I think that's right. (laughs) Riot's nodding and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. (laughs) Yeah. And then how did, I'm changing gears entirely but this connects in my brain when I think about your writing I read both like I read independently but then I'm quite you know I know a lot of people are quite caught up in the project you guys are working on together um projects you guys work on together so what did deciding to collab look like was it you know you were reading each other's stuff or were you friends in a server how did this kind of come about (laughs) no how did we become friends tell them (laughs) oh gosh I'm both nervous and excited Okay, well, it's totally her fault because she wrote amazing <laughs> Kinktober stuff. And I, and that is how I actually got like really started Winter Iron because I was in like a particular mood for something and I stumbled on one of her Kinktober fix and I read it and then I was like, 
oh my God, I need to read every other single thing that Raya has ever written. So I think there was probably like a week where I was reading through everything and she was probably being bombarded by comments from me. And then I eventually just like stormed into her DMs and I was like, I, you uh, are the greatest thing since writing existed. Like, <laughs> I love this. You've made me love them. And then um, it was just like, you know, casual conversation. And then I just I had this idea for something. And I, of course, had, you know, a porn idea for it. <laughs> So I sent her um, porn gifts and I was like, yeah, here, look at this. This is totally, you know, Tony and Becky. And that's how, you know, the friendship became solidified through porn. (laughs) (laughs) The longer I'm in fandom, the more I realize that the fact that Sarah and I are collaborators who did not bond through porn is actually rare because a lot of (laughs) other people have. So, so no shame whatsoever. How does, do you guys divide, currently I know you're dividing kind of the character points of views. Um, Mm. Is that on Bounty? As we record this, Bounty is still publishing everybody and we'll make sure that, um, I don't know when you're going to hear this. (laughs) Um, But uh, because planning is something that Fair and I do in spurts, let's just be honest. Um, But how does, how does the negotiation work of who's going to write who? Um, I think we figured that out pretty early on when we ha- when we had the idea. Um, you know, I, I've always been more comfortable writing Bucky and Steve. I think um, okay. I definitely love Tony, but I don't always feel like I have a good grasp on his sense of humor. I get his like defense mechanisms, um, but going into it, I I started out absolutely adoring the way that Riot writes Tony and I was like if she wants to write Bucky that's totally fine but I think that's probably a mistake (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna call a spade a spade here (laughs) not that she wouldn't do it justice but I was like she's like brain channeling Tony when she writes (laughs) I was like there's just no way that I could do the kind of justice that she can to Tony that's my boy yeah I mean, we all have our emotional support characters, right? So that's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that makes sense. <laughs> it's fascinating the way that people have talked about Winter Iron in particular. So for instance, like I write a lot of ships. I write, I write a lot of Stony and I write a lot of Winter Iron. And I find it really hard to write Steve, um, which is why you'll find so much Bucky in my Stony fix, because it's just... <laughs> He's, he's who makes the most sense to me. And so he's who I throw in a lot. But in terms of people writing Winter Iron, like for instance, I talked to um, Tisfin and Dragons last season and they mentioned that to them, it made sense because both of them are so like female coded in a way to them that it, especially to Tis, that it felt easy to put herself in the shoes of both of them and how they are treated within canon and how they are treated even within fanon. Um, and I see thoughtful expressions and a little bit of nodding listeners. I get the, I get the gift of their videos on in this, in this interview, you are so <laughs> jealous and you should be. Um, but so is, does that resonate with you or do you see them in a different direction? Um, it does. I've, I've definitely seen like, you know, posts and theories about that going around. And I definitely agree with a lot of it, like a lot of the loss of control, um, and, you know, not having any choice in their life and just kind of having to go along and hide their emotions. I think that definitely um, connects with me as a lady person on earth. 
Yes. Yeah. A lady person on earth. I appreciate how you said that. Yes. I resonate a lot with it. So. Yeah. I do think it's kind of funny that you said you put a lot of Bucky in your stony fix because I can't let him in my stony fix. Otherwise I'm just like, and then him and Tony run off together and Steve is sad at the end. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. No, they're just, he's always the best friend in some way that works really, really well. And I like, cause I like smushing all of them together with other people. So that helps. Um, so like last summer I wrote a, a stony fic where Bucky was in, um, was kind of dating Sam and then ended up in a polycule with Sam and Sharon. And that was fun to play with. Uh, so stuff I, so I'm happy to smush them with other people. I just wrote a winter iron where Steve is with Sam. There's always Sam too. Sam always appears. Um, <laughs> but if, but it, I have that luxury cause I like smushing them with others and, but my default is the three is at least two of the three of them in some sort of happily ever after. If I write another, if someone commissions me to write another ship component, the other two of them are going to be in love. And that's just how this works. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. But that's a lot of me talking. I'd love to, what else do you guys have any other thoughts on winter iron? Any thoughts on either Tony or Bucky that you'd like to share with our folks? Um, I think the art got me. That's my note on winter iron. Oh, interesting. Any specific oh, yeah. art? Um, I'm not entirely sure how it's pronounced. Bear? Oh, yes. I think, I think it's beer based on... Um, okay. Pro- they were an artist of ours last, sem- last season. I keep wanting okay. to say last semester as though I'm still in grad school. Last season. And um, I believe they said, they said beer, but I will double check that, folks. And it'll be in the, in the intro or outro to this episode perfect because I realize I've never said it out loud and I only say it in my head and I have no idea if it's right trust me yeah I saw their art and I was like oh that's a thought and then it just kind of lodged and stuck and mutated understandable Stella what about yourself um goodness I think I think for me I love I think I love them so much because those are the two characters that out of the entire MCU, I just, I I love who they are as people, like as characters, even though Bucky doesn't get a lot of talking time. I think it's something like 14 minutes in total in the whole MCU or something like that. It's ridiculous. Um, But it's, and, and I mean, and it definitely goes back to the fact that Seb is such an amazing actor and really dug into those nuances of Bucky and like just like the micro expressions and the tiny little you know emotional bits that he puts into the scenes like in um, Civil War when Tony's watching the video of his parents being murdered by Bucky Bucky's in the background crying like you can see the tears in his eyes and for me that's just it's so good <laughs> you know <laughs> so i you would say that. that you angst monster <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say that <laughs> and then i would follow it up with but how do we make it worse um, <laughs> oh are we different people <laughs> yeah i see that's why i like things like dark licorice and um dark chocolate i i like that bitterness <laughs> Which is why I like these two, because they are, you know, you know, they are kind of dark and twisty on the inside and Tony puts up a really good mask. Um, But, you know, there's still that trauma and that pain that he's been through. 
multiple times starting from childhood <laughs> you know I think for me that's that's the appeal is seeing these characters that have gone through so much and come out the other side regardless of whether or not that ha- happened in canon which we don't accept <laughs> um, <laughs> but at least in my fic they usually come out happy on the other end <laughs> I think the idea of redemption arcs too is a huge part of why we all, whether redemption from internal or external forces is yeah. one of the reasons we all love superhero stuff because they have at the core of the superhero things that we love, they're still like deeply, deeply human. And they have mm-hmm. all of this, um, like all of these messy bits. Like I, I know Glenn Weldon has done as a, as a comic scholar, done a lot of work on Batman and Superman and kind of what they mean in the American psyche and how they've come to represent specific pieces of American humanity culture. And I think, and he's not a huge Marvel guy, and so I doubt he'll ever do it with, with Iron Man, but like, I would love that kind of deep dive into, into Iron Man and into Tony and into all the various ways that he is portrayed, not only in comics um, and, in car- and in the cartoons, um, and, but in the MCU and specifically what Downey brought to it. Because I think we can all so much of the tragic backstory is Downey just not acting at all. I think we can yeah. we can all just kind of see him being Tony and that's a huge part of the mythos yeah. of the MCU. Um, but it, it makes complete sense to me that that kind of mutual tragedy and potential is what really draws you guys to this as you're talking. Like they, they have these things that are very, very parallel and they both have the strength to overcome them, but oh my God, isn't it so much more delicious when they do it together? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that's why I always I get I get why people don't like don't like the ship, and I totally respect that. But for me, it, it is definitely about like Tony learning to accept the fact that you know Bucky killed his parents. He did that. Like even if he was brainwashed, it was his hands that did it, and learning to say okay that happened but it wasn't him and I do forgive him and like if you parallel it to something in your life if somebody did something that was horrible and painful to you can you move past that can you learn to forgive them do you want to forgive them and I think that's kind of why like with canon I get so frustrated because it's like Bucky never got that chance to talk to Tony like he never got the chance to say you know I'm sorry there was all the bullshit of civil war and then everything with Thanos and then Tony dies and it's like so there's no resolution to that which I think is why it keeps drawing me back you know there's I want want that resolution I want them to heal together and learn to overcome that tragedy yeah I resonate with that as well um even even if it's if it's tragedy I create in my alternate universes um, it is the, the, the overcoming of it is the part that I love the best. And it's a different dynamic than in Stony. Um, it's, it's definitely present in Stuckoni. I love playing with that. The idea of all three of them coming over, overcoming it in, in canonical Stuckoni. But um, it's, it's, I've said it before on the pod. Um, if you haven't listened to the pod before, then uh, this is a common theme. But I say it all the time that my favorite thing about all of these multifaceted characters is that different relationships bring out different pieces of them in, in different combinations. And so I think Tony gets to be a different kind of vulnerable in Winter Iron than he gets to be in Iron Strange yeah. or in, or in Stony. 
Um, yeah. and it, or in frost iron, like there's, there's vulnerabilities in all of them that he has to learn to deal with, but the Bucky doesn't kind of come with the same bravado that the other three come with, <laughs> um, <laughs> that he has to peel back first. And so it's the same yeah. kind of, I should say. So it's just, it's fascinating and, um, such a gift. This, this fandom is such a gift that we get to play with all of these idiots in so many different combinations. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I think you're right in the way that certain characters interact with each other is completely different than how they do with other ones. Like I always see Steve and Tony as being more combative, you know, because Steve is more rigid and I mean that's that's how people tend to write him and I do that too. But it's like Bucky is a lot more easygoing. It's just like, okay, dude, go with the flow. You're being weird right now about having to be in your shop for the next six days. So cool. I'll bring you pizza. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right, do whatever. <laughs> I see Bucky as someone that you could get high with and Steve that he would just want to like sit and have a terrible Sam Adams beer, you know, like. <sighs> I think we imprint so much of Chris Evans's terrible tastes in food and beer onto Steve. <laughs> Every time I see Chris Evans with a Heineken in his hand, I'm like, boy, let me free you. Like, oh, stop being such a Boston boy. Yeah. Oh, God, I know. Personal choices. No shade on anyone who likes Heineken, but Lord God, I can give you better. Oh, I um, know. Well, well if that is so rich and I know we could go on forever, but I'm incredibly mindful of your time. You've given, you've been gracious enough to give me time on one of your weekends. I wanna let you guys back to your lives. So unless you have anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners, we can say um, thanks so much and we'll talk later. Anything else ladies, or is that a, is that a close? Uh, I don't have anything. Thank you so much for having me. That was a joy. Stella, anything from um, your- I guess just like, thank you to riot for writing incredible fic and getting me into this ship (laughs) (laughs) and then you know of course thank you to all of the people that have read down to you and my stuff and riot stuff and support us because i mean at the end of the day like that's what fandom is is supporting each other and it feels amazing you know i can't tell you the number of times that riot and i like first thing in the morning we're texting and it's like did you see the latest comment yes i'm crying right now like (laughs) it's amazing it's such a wonderful feeling and for it to be this ship in particular is just it's wonderful i love it so much so thank you to everyone my gosh, I can't think of a better way to end. We'll have links in the show notes to uh, both Riot and Stella's AO3s, to the Bound to You series we've talked about, um, and to the, I will also link a couple of the Discord servers that Stella and I are in together. So if you want to see her very picky brain, uh, you can see it as well. It's a delight. She's also a great purveyor of visual porn. Um, so if you are a visual stills porn person, we'll make sure that you know what's going on down there too. Uh, this has been a top to bottom delight. Thank you so, so much for your time, ladies. Um, it's been a great gift and, uh, we will see you all listeners, uh, in the comments or on the server. So following along from that lovely interview with Stella and Riot, uh, we just thought, you know, we normally have like a topic topic, but today's topic is winter iron. So we kind of wanted to talk about winter iron. 
and um, uh, we both have a lot of feelings. We both love the ship, uh, but I think we got here in slightly different ways. So, Flame, what was it that got you into Winter Iron? What what appealed? I can't remember how I found the Sandbridge Universe AU that is fairly famous in within Winter Iron. It's written by Tisfin and former guests, Tisfin and 27 Dragons, and it's entirely an AU. It is one of the reasons I love AUs a lot too. It kind of introduced me to that world. And the whole thing is that like Tony's a runaway, Bucky and Steve and Nat own a thing in a seaside town. And I mean, it's just one of those to me, classic AUs in that I recognize every single person in it, but there are no overlaps in canon from canon to what their lives look like. And so and they, actually, that, they filed the serial numbers off and it's a series that you can buy as a standalone non-fanfic series as well. So that's, that speaks to that connection as well when it's so, so AU that you can just go ahead and publish it as uh, they change the names, you know, I mean, I know it's more work than that, but um, it had that capacity as well. So if anyone loved the Sandbridge series, you can also read it as original work. You can own it. Yeah. And I haven't made that leap because I love the, like those characters will always be Bucky and Tony and Steve and Nat in my mind. Right. Right. Um, so I don't, but like at the same time, I should support my favorite creators if I can. So um Anyway, the things I loved in that one are some one of the elements I love about Winter Iron. And I think for me, Winter Iron is slightly more diverse than the things I love about it. Like I love Stony almost entirely because of their bickering enemies to lovers, but they truly are partners at their core vibe. Like any play, any fic that plays with that combination of dynamics is the one that I love the most. They are both so similar that they bicker like fucking married couples. <laughs> um, and I love in AUs and canon, like that's what I that's what I give to. And in Stucky, I love the like we are so much family that we are also in love with each other. And like we can never ever do life without each other. And the like complete bond of that. Like I don't read a lot of of even modern Stuckies where there's like a, a really dramatic meet cute all the time. I love reading already established stuff with them much more. The, my only exception is like shrunky clunks because I love those meat cutes, but that's a separate category. But in Winter Iron, there's like five or six things that like if a fic chases even just one of them, I love playing with that dynamic, which is different for me, like I just said, than any other ship. So what I loved in Sandbridge was that both of them were messes, but Bucky was more outwardly less of a mess. He kind of had his shit together and he could parlay that into caring for Tony and giving that care to Tony's growth arc. And Tony was kicked out in that, in that fic. And is, it's one of the fics where Howard's an ass and kicks Tony out for any number of reasons. So this, the, like Tony's need to take care of things that are abandoned is fairly well, kind of, it goes throughout a lot of ships. I think it's one of the reasons I love writing him as a single dad. It's one of the reasons that writing him with kittens is really fun. It's, it's one of his tactics. But in Winter Iron, it goes both ways. I think Bucky does that too. And when he does it with Tony in particular, it just makes me Twitter painted. So that's kind of how I got into the ship. And then I found other things like non-consensual body modification and some other reasons that make them work to me. But that mutual caring in a very specific way that only works between the two of them is what got me into it. What about you? Why are you here? 
Uh, that sounded so accusatory. I'm, no, I'm so sorry. So I'm just gonna cut that cut that line as one thing and just put it somewhere. Be like, Flame said this to me. That's um, a sidebar, really quick. Very, very famously, among my circle of friends, I um, took two people who had never been to New York to New York once, and these two people had also never really encountered revolving doors. Oh, just because of the towns they grew up in and the cities that they'd encountered, they'd never been in revolving doors. And so we were going into the NBC studio store and which has a revolving door because it's all the doors in 30 Rock uh, out on Rockefeller Center have revolving doors on some level. So we were going into the studio store and it's revolving and like all of a sudden the doors don't move. And I turned around and just wanted to ask my friend if like her bag that she was wearing is what got stuck. But the tone that came around as I tur evidently turned around to her and went, are you stuck? <laughs> really obnoxiously. Um, and so every once in a while, she still reminds me of that, where she's like, you are the most loving, caring bitch I've ever met. I'm like, thank you. I'll take that. I'll take why that. Why so are that you was, here? Why are you here? I God, I, you guys, here. I promise you, none of you actually want to be my friend in real life. <laughs> I'm such a mess. Anyway, Barrett, why Al do you allow me to justify my existence. Um, uh, why do you love these boys in this combination? Uh, I definitely got here from Stuckomi. Okay. So I was, I read Stony first. And then while I was still falling into Stony, I found Stucky, uh, Stucky fix. And I read some Stucky and then I discovered Stuckoni, which was also the first poly ship I'd ever really been into. And just through reading that, obviously I got to see Tony and Bucky's relationship and falling in love with that trio. I fell in love with all three parts and then I started seeking out Winter Iron, which is certainly like if you're going to stumble into MCU, obviously Stucky is the biggest fandom on AO3 in, in Marvel. And Stony is the second biggest. And Winter Iron, I think, is not even the third. <laughs> um, so it's a little smaller, uh, but I'm so glad I found it. And it was more of a slow burn for me, I think, in wanting to like read solo Winter Iron fix, not because of anything like missing from it, but just I think I stumbled on it less. And it was less like people that I, I, that I knew already were writing it because <clears throat> you get a lot of Stucky shippers writing Stuckoni, you get a lot of Stony shippers writing Stuckoni. Um, but I feel like Winter Iron is a little bit more like there's a there's a core Winter Iron group that's just about Winter Iron and I hadn't kind of broken into that yet. Um, but yeah, once I did, I, I really liked the dynamic. I think that the things that I like about Stuckoni are also the things I like about each of those individual pairings and they kind of balance and then are in contrast to each other. And so probably the first things that appealed to me were the ways that Bucky and Tony can be for each other, that Steve doesn't fill that niche for them. So I like that. I like that they're both science nerds. Um, and I love how excited Bucky is at the Expo, Stark Expo in First Avenger. And um, I feel like we don't get to see that anymore. Uh, in those movies like it does not a thread that's carried through with mostly just because Bucky spends the entire rest of the series being severely traumatized but I love the idea of getting to play with that and explore what it would be like for their two minds to be together because Steve's brilliant but 
in a totally different way from the way that Tony's brilliant. And I feel like Bucky is more average, like not to be mean, but <laughs> um, it's not shown that he has any kind of, you know, genius intelligence, but, um, but he's more passionate about the specific things that Tony would be passionate about. And I would really like to see that. And yeah, especially since in the, one of the latest trailers, as we record this for Falcon and Winter Soldier, Sam and Bucky get into a whole thing about how Bucky read The Hobbit in 1937 when it first came out. Yeah, I love that. Which so just made me so fantasy. happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sebastian Stan's absolute exasperation at having to explain that was <laughs> perfect. It's exactly how I imagined Bucky would be saying that to people. Like, of course I know who Gandalf is before your fucking movies. I read the book when it first came out. <sighs> um, so yeah, and I think that I think that like one of the appeals of Tony and Bucky is actually that I think it would be harder work. Like the way that um, Steve and Tony are seems very like confrontational and aggressive in the movies a lot of the time. But I also think that like fundamentally that kind of passion, like it goes either way. And once it goes the one way, it kind of works. And I think I said on a Tumblr post recently that one of the things I love about them is that their level of intensity makes you feel like they're always one second from either fucking or fighting. <laughs> yes. um, but I feel like Tony and Bucky's relationship is less intense and, but also it's like sort of softer and, and, and quieter work and more introspective and their trauma is very different from Steve's in a lot of ways. And I just, I think that that kind of, that kind of struggle kind of, like it appeals to the hurt comfort appeals to me a lot. Like, I think there's a lot of potential for hurt comfort between them and a lot of potential for the sort of quiet, but caring in version of, of them both that, you know, they could sit in silence together and still say a lot. I think that's kind of the vibe that I get. So. I like that. So what, like my take on that is I would agree. And then when I think about the issue of consent with the three of them, I mean, cause yes, I'm fundamentally a Stuckoni shipper. So I think about them in a triad and then I just break off whatever piece of the triad I want to play with on a given yeah. day. So Steve's initial entrance into this whole world was consensual. Whereas it, Tony, for Tony and Bucky, it was not. Yeah. Like even if Bucky was excited about the draft, he was still fundamentally drafted. Um, and there's lots of conversations about consent and drafts for men in World War II, especially if Bucky was middle-class the way that he might be or poor the way that he might be depending on how you read the comic and how you read some of the things. I love that com that conversation, by the way, about Bucky's canonical family and where they fell. I love playing with it, the idea that he's Jewish. I love playing with the idea that he's a Gentile. I love to a certain extent that he's a cipher because we don't get a lot of them. Even in the comics, we don't get as much as I would like. Um, and so I love playing with that. But just the nature of the fact that when Steve entered this world, it was consensual. When waking up and a lot of things after that were non-consensual. And I think that's one of the one of the fundamental pieces of his of his trauma, of his PTSD of post-waking up, is that even though he intentionally crashed the plane, I don't he didn't ask to get defrosted. 
Yeah, he um, was, this was a suicide experience. This was a suicide experience. And so his re-entrance into the world is, is non-consensual. Whereas both Bucky and Tony took a non-consensual into a consensual situation. So like they both had their bodies worked on without their will or anything else. And they then took their power back in a way that I think that's one of Steve's arcs of the MCU. If you make the argument, if you take his canonical arc and that he's not a scroll or any of the other theories out there, one of his arcs is the idea of taking control of his life back. Yeah. And I think it's a lot harder for him. Like, I, th- I think that that's something that we explore in fic a lot, even in subtle yeah. ways, is this, is it's harder, it's harder to put in words and he doesn't necessarily even see that that's been a struggle for him because in his mind, he has had so much more agency and so much more control in his life. But Tony and Bucky sort of had these like big moments of making a choice to be like, I am the master of my own destiny kind of. And Steve's has been more like a slow crawl back into some semblance of if he ever gets there at all. Yeah. And if we think about even beyond Hydra and Afghanistan, like Tony didn't choose any piece of his life. And he didn't choose to be Howard Stark's son. He didn't choose to have the brain that he had. He didn't choose any of that. And if I play with the idea in my head that Bucky was middle to upper middle class and and had more resources than Steve's family did, then the idea of what you do with this one wild and precious life, even before your massive traumatic events, still weighs differently on the two of them than it would on Steve. Mm. And if anyone's read my winter iron fix, I usually play with the idea of how they respond to their privilege quite a lot. And that's, that's something that I like playing with in fic. I've played with it in every, in every fandom I've ever been in. So perhaps you've gotten the vibe that I play with it in my own life. Um, But the exploration of what people do with privilege is just a fascination of mine perpetually. And so I love playing with it in fic because you have like Bucky's privilege would be more everyday kind of accessible to everybody. Tony's is insane. Like none of us can go to where Tony's privilege is because it's so insane. It's fictional, but Bucky's would be much more. Okay. So he leverages things. He uses his car to drive his friend around. He has more time to go to doctor's appointments. His body is a different privilege than Steve's is. So he can place it in between Steve and the bullies. And what does that kind of look like? So all of that leads to the same place that you just said, where like, I think they could sit and be quiet together. Like I love workshop fix where Steve is drawing in Tony's workshop, but I love even more the winter iron ones where Tony and and Bucky are inventing stuff next to each other. Yeah. And like Bucky's brilliance may not be as innate, but like he understands weapons just like, just like Tony does. And he's used them. And he, we have the, we have the statements that he was a really good sniper, even outside of being possibly the best sniper, even outside of being Captain America's pal. And so he gets how guns work and whether Tony and, but doesn't want to anymore, most likely. And Tony does too, and doesn't want to anymore. And so how do they work those things together? I love, but, and I also, I, you know, headcanon both of them as sarcastic little shits in a different way than Steve. Steve's sarcasm is much quieter. Yeah. Um, and I, so I had canon them as, as people I'd be friends with, I think in a certain way, I think I'd be friends with Steve, but he and I would fight a lot <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I'd love him to death, but I could also throw him off a bridge. Um, I think I would just be friends with Bucky and Tony. I do. 
and just in how our personalities work. Again, would often want to throw them off bridges, but I think it would be a lot, it would be a lot less dude energy. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, so that's kind of why I love the ship is that it's so multifaceted to me. Yeah, yeah, there's so much there. <clears throat> and with uh, with um, the new show coming out, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I hope we'll be getting, I mean, obviously a lot of delicious Winter Falcon content um, and canon, but also just more Bucky and more Falcon because they're both characters that we just haven't had a lot. And Sam and Bucky are both... Uh, awesome and underused so like I hope that this show is an awesome way for us to get to know them better which will serve their ship but also all the other things we ship them both with and um, give us more bucky fuel for winter iron fix and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, Tony survived fix that that look at what we're gonna what new things we're going to learn um, about where the world is in in winter uh, in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, who else do you ship Sam with, or who do you ship Sam with? I don't. I don't ship Sam with a lot of people. I think that Bucky Sam's pretty much the only thing I've really. I've, I've read some fix of uh, Sam and Steve, um, mm-hmm. but not a lot. And uh, and yeah, I'm I'm like excited to see the new Sam Bucky content. Um, but it's not, it's not a school I've been to a lot. So I think that this is going to like open, I'm going to see more of that stuff coming my way so I can kind of get into it more, but I don't think I have any, like, I've, I've definitely like, if I have Sam, I often want him, if he's like a side pairing in one of my stories, I often want him to be with Riley, even though we don't know anything about Riley at all, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, uh, I like that story. Like I want that story. Like I want the like uh, Falcon origin story, like the pre, um, pre like Sam's life pre Steve seems like rich and a lot. And there's a lot in comics as well. And it's just like, I kind of want to see that story. So I feel like I'm holding out for a backstory. Maybe I do love a backstory. I'm much more likely to get invested in a character where they give us the backstory, even if it's a, a baby look at a backstory no i mean that's one of the reasons i love west wing so much is that we got a whole episode of a backstory so yeah. context is an obsession for me yeah. um and so yeah i i completely agree i would so, love yeah. to know what happened with riley because just the way that mackie says it all in the movies of like how he talks about riley i'm like tell me more yeah also um i love mackie he's hugely funny but like the end game beard thing he had going on was so off-putting to me I don't know what ruler was involved in cutting that but I just do not like the shape I do not think it suits his jaw and that was the last time I saw him so I believe that he he looks like he's uh, clean shaven in winter um, or I keep saying that backwards Falcon and the Winter Soldier so (laughs) yeah I know in like every interview he does he's clean shaven I miss Seb's scruff and long hair yeah I like him scruffy yeah, but I respect, like, I remember when the first stuff came out and he actually made some statements about why he fought for short hair for Bucky. Yeah. Um, and I loved that thought process, but just like my libido wants the like man bun and scruff. So yeah, I usually um, write him with long hair. <laughs> same. Yep. Yep. Same. So I like Sam and Steve together. I've read almost everything. Well, I have read everything Nacho Diablo has ever written on that ship. Um, I love how he writes the two of them so, so much. Um, and the softness they bring out in each other. Mm. So I think in a certain way, the way we were just talking about Winter Iron, they could be quiet together forever. The, the 
the traumas of Sam and Steve parallel each other in a way that perhaps the traumas of Bucky and Tony do. Um, and so I, I like that I've put them, I think they are the side ship in both of my winter iron stories. Um, at least in the, one of the more recent ones I wrote where Bucky was a king. Um, yeah, Bucky was a king of a fictional country and Tony is a tutor. My favorite scene in that fic is when Tony blows Bucky while sitting, while Bucky's sitting on his throne. <laughs> um, you're all welcome for that if you enjoy that kind of visual. Um, but I love their kind of like camarade, like their bullshit camaraderie sniping at each other, but then their softness. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting, oh my God. I just, again, I love how different people bring out different things and different characters. I, love I know you mismatch them in so many ways. Maybe what the show will also give us is, um, we can, it's fuel for, for doing Sam Bucky and winter iron, like, or, um, Sam Steve and winter iron combo fix with the two ships um because we'll get a lot of sam and bucky's relationship and if we take that friendship at face value which i know is most people's second thought <laughs> yeah um, yeah but is probably the, but is going to be the canonical thought yeah so. so if we take that at face value then uh we're just getting more fuel for the fire for for getting these guys together in that way and you know what foursome no one's saying no to that no humans on this podcast are saying no to that. <laughs> that is for sure so maybe um, we'll be yeah. back to talk about Winter Iron again. I mean, well, I'm sure we're going to be talking about Sam Bucky, even though that's sort of a side ship for this podcast, which focuses on Steve and Tony. Um, but maybe after we've seen the show, we'll, we'll have more to say about Winter Iron as well, because we'll know Bucky better. Always down for knowing Bucky better and always down as well for AUs. So I know we talked a lot about canon in this, but we both like AUs as well. Um, and we love uh, all of those things that we just talked about. One of the, the beauties is that they can be played within alternate universes. Um, and so I hope we keep learning enough about Bucky's character that we can keep putting him in other situations. If you guys have feelings on Winter Iron as a ship or excitements about the show or anything about Bucky, Bucky in the comment, comics, Bucky and Tony. If you want to come scream with me about Alpine, because I will scream about Alpine <laughs> Yes. Uh, come scream in our comments on this episode or any of our social media because we would love to know what you guys think. So today for Community Talks, we have kind of a roundup because we have a bunch of stuff we've heard from you guys in the last little while in a bunch of different corners. So we wanted to touch on everything and catch up with you guys. Um, first of all, two episodes ago was our Valentine's Day episode, and we asked you guys to send in Valentines, and you did, and it was amazing. Um, there were two Valentines that actually came in after we finished recording, and we weren't able to fit them into the episode, so we wanted to make sure that we read them today. So a little, a little extra love later on, carrying on a little, a few hearts right through into March. <laughs> Yeah, because when does sending love ever fall out of style? Never. So this first one is for JBE. And it's I emphasize that because she's one of our proud Canadians. It's JBA. <laughs> I know, but I still say <laughs> eh because I feel like it. And I can. And that's why I you're know. not the resident Canadian on this show. Listen, have I ever tried to pretend? I've never even had a Timbit. I can't be a Canadian. We'll so. rectify that when you come visit me. 
We'll get to yes, as soon as as soon as Justin lets me across the border. Oh, with his manic COVID beard, standing guard. Okay. A Valentine for JBA. Iron Man is red. Steve's suit is blue. I don't know where I'd be in fandom without you. Thank you for always being there for me. I am so happy Potts brought us together. A Valentine for Flame. Thank you so much for being such a positive voice in fandom. You uplift and support others in so many places, and it's always a pleasure to hear your words of wisdom. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and then the one something else we got, we just want to remind people too that the, the form that you use for Valentine's is the same form you use to tell us anything that you want. And it's innately anonymous. But you'd like to leave your name. You always can. Or if you leave a silly moniker like Sleep in Seattle, you are always welcome to. But we did get a fandom feeling from somebody um, that we would like to share because it made us smile. I'm only just now finally catching up on season one after putting it off almost a year. I'm definitely regretting putting it off because you two are such a delight. Oh, thank you. And I just listened to episode three. I had to laugh because you asked if any teachers had ever opened AO3 in front of their students. And I don't know about anyone else, but I definitely have. (laughs) (laughs) I lead a supplementary class in which the students get a chance to work on their homework, quizzes, anything else they've been assigned. So I hook up my own laptop to the projector so the students can listen to Spotify while they're working. I almost always have a fic or two that I'm actively reading at the time, but I usually remember to open a new browser window so I can project anything the students might need for their work. There's definitely been a couple of times though where I've been in a hurry or just plain forgot to open a new window so my 50 or so students are subjected to whatever fic I'm reading at a time. Fortunately, nothing explicit yet, but it's always a little embarrassing and sometimes a little cool if one of the students recognizes the ships and gives me wrecks. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. That is exactly the kind of thing we were looking for. We like, I had forgot we asked that question because it was a whole last year ago, but that's amazing. I love that. And I love that it can be, um, you know, it's not this like terribly embarrassing moment. It can be like a way to bond with your students as well. <laughs> yeah. That actually happened to me really, really recently when I was teaching our intern class, I hit share my screen on zoom and I selected the wrong browser and I, uh, selected a, a fic browser. And at this point, like my favorite thing was before I could even like say anything, one of the students was like, is that AO3? <laughs> what are you reading? I was like, oh, it's a, and at the time it was a Game of Thrones fic. And they were like, oh, who do you ship with Game of Thrones? And it was a whole thing. It was really fun. That's, that is fun. Um, this tangentially reminds me of something that a friend sent me recently um, about memes being in a book that they were reading. And I was like, oh my God, like the millennials are are getting published and the millennials are are being the teachers and like our generation has taken over the workplace. And, uh, and we're seeing the results of that in, um, in so many different wonderful ways. So many. That was really cute. Thank you so much, friend, for sharing your stories. And uh, if you have any other great ones, um, or if you guys have a story like that, uh, please, by all means, share it on our fandom feelings because we have too much fun from that. Something else that was super fun that happened this past week was we had actually missed that the OTW's blog, um, their OTW signal post on the transformativeworks.org had actually posted back in January about the episode that we did when um, Flame interviewed Acts of Tecla, the Open Doors volunteer. 
And um, they have a great blog post about that, about some of the stuff that we talked about. Um, and we only just found out about it because they just uh, recently did a pingback. So we got that notification on our blog that they had pinged back to us um, and we got to read that post. So that is super awesome. Thanks for the pingback OTW. And we will make sure that we link to that blog post of theirs on this episode. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll add it to the show notes back on that ep episode as well, even though it's in the comments as well. Um, so that you guys can go look at their blog and see what they have to say on the conversation that we had, which was really cool. The other thing is that we love getting comments from all of you. Honestly, I I've said this before, I think even on mic, but we would talk to each other about this stuff all the time. We hit record for you guys. And so we love knowing what we're saying gives you joy and gives you life and you appreciate it. And so this is, it really is such a gift to us back to know that. Um, and one of the ways that you can do that is by commenting on the episode pages themselves on our website. You can also leave comments on iTunes for sure. I have no idea if you can on Spotify or Stitcher because they scare me as platforms, but you definitely can on iTunes. But this one came in on our last app on our website and it is from Kenzie. Hello, Kenzie. And they say, first time listening to the pod and it was so much fun. Thank you all for making such a lovely thing. Well, Kenzie, thank you for being lovely. And it is our pleasure to make said app. Sure. And the other thing that is our pleasure is to talk about tropes. So next up, your trope off update. We have a very important thing to talk about. We do. And that is that I need to know who won between Fix It and Medieval Barbarian AU. <laughs> Valid. Um, I was legitimately surprised by this one uh, because I have a weird relationship with Fix It's and I'm sure I've talked about it that before how like, I mean, first of all, I'm just not somebody who gets that like, that frequently gets that feeling that like, the moment my motivation to to write fic is because canon let me down or I want to fix it in some way. I'm just not naturally one of those people. Um, I get that that's a super popular relationship with canon though. Um, but also there's like a lot of debate about what a fix it even means. So like maybe we need a whole episode just to talk about like, what actually is a fix it? What is it to you? How did like what fix qualifies as fix it's? Um, but I also know that the like medieval barbarian like warlord kind of thing is having a bit of a trend or it was having a bit of a trend recently. So I thought that this would be more even than it was, but it wasn't. It was a pretty runaway winner for Fix It. It took 67% of the vote and Medieval Barbarian AU only took 33%. Interesting. Yeah, I would love to talk about Fix It. I think I said this in the last episode that I can make the argument that legitimately all of transformative works are Fix It's. Yeah, it's like you got to figure out where the boundaries of the term are if it's going to mean anything, right? <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, and I am definitely more, I very famously got into things because I saw Endgame and went, ah, oh, I'd like to tell a different story. So we entered for different reasons. Um, and I'm, but I do not engage with fix-its, quote unquote, that I would tag as fix-its nearly as often as many other people do. So I would love the, if you are somebody who has strong feelings on the boundaries of fix it and you are within the sound of our voices, please let us know because it would be great to talk to you about why you have those feelings or drop us an anonymous fandom feeling and tell us what the boundaries are. Yeah, that would be great. 
And I think that like the medieval barbarian warlord, I couldn't fit all of those slashes in the thing. Um, I think that that's one of those trends that kind of ebbs and flows. So maybe we kind of ebbed a little bit and like it takes kind of a big thing. Like I know Sabre got some people excited uh, when she first started posting about her fic to be Spoils of War and a bunch of other people posted some similar stuff. So maybe it needs to be kind of spawned into life and then it has a little moment and then it, it fades away again. <laughs> maybe, and I feel like during MTH this past year, there was a lot of either chatter about wanting them or, or things as such. However, I could entirely be mixing that up with just how perpetually thirsty Saber is for those <laughs> topics. And she screams pretty loudly about things that she wants to birth into existence. But I, it can't just be her because there was talk about Bucky with the long hair and she doesn't read anything really with Bucky. So I am a little bit surprised it was as runaway as it was, except for the fact that we get into that whole broad versus narrow conversation and that fix-its go yeah. across yeah. ships and they go across themes. And like, for instance, I bless all of you who love Warlord Barbarian, it's not me. And so it was also like that one's such a specific itch that I never need to scratch that I was, I was always going to vote for fix it just because it was the only one that applied. Yeah. And that's, that's totally valid. I think that that's definitely playing a role and it's going to be interesting as we start shaking out winner and loser bracket, we're going to have more of the, um, like the narrows up against each other and the broads up against each other. So we'll see kind of how those brackets shake out. Um, but yeah, that was the one that we set up last episode, last time when we talked to you guys. And then as we do, I posted another one in the midweek between episodes. And that one was wrong number or texting AU versus time loop. Did you have strong feelings about that one, Flame? Um, I chose wrong number for the simple fact that I have enjoyed writing those. And Time Loop gives me Groundhog Day, the movie flashbacks. Yes, I think, I mean, I've definitely heard people call them Groundhog Day AUs, so valid. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's not my favorite movie. So the, I am one of the like seven people in my generation in the United States that doesn't worship at the altar of Bill Murray. So I just like never quite got that movie or it's everyone's fascination with it. But also like I wrote one Time Loop fic and it was, for the Steve Tony games and it was to get angst points. Thank you so much. Um, and it was one of the hardest concepts I've had to come up with. And I'm still like grumpy with my brain that I couldn't make it work as well as I wanted to. So perhaps I have some petty bitter feelings about this, but I also like wrong number AUs. They had that moment when that meme went around about like one number off or something like that, that went around, was that last summer? two summers ago, maybe even, I don't remember. <laughs> and, but I don't think we have enough of them and I find them endearing. I think that this is one of those cases where like in some ways, wrong number texting AU is the narrow one and time loop is the broad one, but it's sort of about like accessibility in a way as well. Like time loops, definitely harder to write, definitely harder to write. Um, and harder to like keep interesting like when you're just repeating something that can be super hard to do um i've done i feel like i've done a couple but like my big one um is an alts fic that uh i wrote with sap that's um 
that's pretty intense and fairly long and one of my bigger, more popular fix. And it it was really hard. (laughs) Um, but I enjoyed that, but, uh, it's definitely like, you're not going to get cute little thick, uh, cute little ficklets or like, you know, it's, it's, or like prompts and posts and, and Twitter things where it's like, oh, what if we made this a Steve Tony AU in time loops, whereas wrong number texting AU is very relatable. So that it almost makes it like more accessible in that way, more, it's easier to make, it's easier to read, it's more broadly appealing. So I can see why I didn't actually say it won very similar numbers to the week before we've got 63% for wrong number and 36% for time loop. So about the same. And this is one that absolutely could be combined very easily. So I hope we get a time loop wrong number AU soon. Oh yeah. You know what? I didn't even give that any thought, but that's great. Like you could do the time, like it, the time loop is broken whenever they're texting the wrong number and then they figure out how to text the right number and that breaks the loop. Yeah, and that could kind of like, that could be interesting because like the point of a wrong number AU is usually that that's how two people meet. So like if the loop resets and they don't text each other, it's like, do they ever meet? That could be super angsty. You could, it could be like loops and loops of them texting each other and getting like getting to know each other and falling in love over and over and over again. And then the loop is broken when they text the person they meant to text instead. And then they never meet. (laughs) Oh, you made me sad. No, but then they meet organically or they meet a different way or like it could work really well with a poly ship where like so in a in like a winter iron hawk situation like maybe like bucky and tony like clint just keeps texting tony the whole time and he's been meant to text bucky so then he texts bucky and at the end the three of them get together yeah yeah i think there's a lot there if anyone has a really cool one please send it to me because i feel like that's one where like just thinking about it now isn't going to be enough. And he's like, you know, I need to sit in the shower with that for half an hour and see what comes out. Yeah. I, uh, I could have a lot of fun with a poly, a poly one in that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but as it stands, wrong number slash texting AU will be moving into the winner's bracket along with fix it and time loop will be joining medieval barbarian AU in the loser's bracket. So we will see those guys go head to head at some point this week. Uh, yesterday, I opened up this weekend's uh, poll. So if you want to vote, please go to my Twitter and hit that votey button. You do need to have a Twitter, but you do not need to be following me. I post a trope up every Saturday morning, often from bed. <laughs> so usually sometime in the morning EST. So by the evening EST of Saturday or anytime on Sunday, you can vote and it stays up until morning Monday EST. This week we have multiverse versus enemies to lovers. And I did already get a question on my Twitter about whether this is for MCU specifically or if it's for anything. So I should clarify, it is for anything. It's supposed to be just general feelings and whether you're only in one fandom or you're in many fandoms or however it speaks to you, that's fine. I know we talk about it from a Marvel perspective because this is a Marvel podcast, but uh, no, it is supposed to be for anything. And I know that like right off the bat, it might be like, well, multiverse is a pretty Marvel thing, but it's not. I there's I've definitely like I remember reading Spuffy Fix back in the 90s where, um, you know, they were getting a spike from another universe. I mean, they it's that's almost canon like they have they have 
uh, time, like more of time travel, but like they're pulling out different versions of each other, like Doppelgangland in season three, they have uh, the vampire um, Willow who gets pulled through into their verse and uh, has to pretend to not be a vampire at one point wears a very fluffy pink sweater. Um, so yeah, multiverse doesn't have to be Marvel. And on that note, neither does Tropoff. So vote with your heart, whatever your heart is full of. I just want to like use that as a campaign slogan and other things. <laughs> Vote with your heart, whatever your heart is. Whatever your heart is full of. Yeah, <laughs> multiverse versus enemies to lovers. This is going to be a fun conversation because I have capital F feelings, flamey feelings about both of these for next episode. So I cannot wait to see how this shakes out. Amazing. So make sure you guys vote and then tune in next week to hear what we have to say. And also don't forget that we post Trope Off every single weekend, even the ones we don't post. So make sure you check in next Sunday. I will not be revealing what it is yet, but when you go see, you will see. And you can only vote for those two days. So make sure you stay on that and we will talk to you next time. Hello, fandom. This is Only More Love, and I'm back with your events forecast. If this is your first time joining us, this is where I tell you a little bit about what's going on challenge-wise in a Marvel fandom near you. The usual note before I start with the current events. You'll be able to find everything I mention in this forecast linked and explained in the show notes for each episode over on podonthesuit.com. Now, on to the fun stuff. Just a reminder that the Marvel Reverse Bang is back, but different with its new Six Phases formula, the mods aim at finding you a partner, no matter how rare your ship, by dividing the many parts of our fandom into their own phase, and therefore their own bang within the bang. For more information and detailed rules and dates on each phase, please visit the blog. Signups for The Star-Spangled Big Bang are open to authors until April 2nd. For artists, until June 4th, with claims happening on June 11th. Centering around Team Cap characters, this bang welcomes any fic, shippy, or gen that focuses on at least one of the characters that falls under the Team Cap handle. The minimum word count is 10k, and posting is set for September. Do you have it in you? Also still at the front of our minds is the new Cap IM Fest, the Universe Medley Fest. Taking the form of a prompt fest, with each month dedicated to a different universe, as well as a remix challenge, and the opportunity to run your own mini-challenge centered around the universe of the month, this fest aims to give us more Steve Tony content across the multiverse. It will begin on March 15th. Please check out the detailed rules master post at the com. The Shrunky Clunks Big Bang is also still open for artist signups until April 17th, while the Loki Rare Pair Bang, a mixed bang with claims of both fic and art, is still accepting both kinds of signups until April 1st. Rare Loki shippers, this one's for you. Check out the blog for the full schedule and rules. The Steggy Bingo Bash is open for late signups until March 30th. So if you missed your chance to grab a card the first time, this one's for you. An Iron Dad remix event has open signups. 
They'll stay open until March 31st, and posting will start June 7th, so that's plenty of time to create something great. The minimum word count is 1,000 words. Feeling like remixing some Iron Dad and Spider Sun content? Check out the blog for more rules and the complete schedule. The Iron Strange Big Bang is back with a minimum of 12,000 words for writers and two illustrations for artists. The Bang will open signups to writers from March 14th to April 11th, to artists from May 17th to 14th, and claims will happen from June 28th to July 12th. Posting is set to begin on November 12th. At your keyboards and brushes, people! You can still claim a prompt in the Black Characters Matter Prompt Fest until April 2nd, with a minimum requirement of 500 words for fic, and also welcoming a wide variety of mediums. They also have a Discord server you can join to chat about your fills and all Black Marvel characters. Claims for the Sam Wilson Fest are open, and will stay that way until April 23rd. Posting will happen between April 24th and May 2nd. There are no minimums, and all mediums are welcome. Don't miss out! The mods of Hell Yeah! Bottom Bucky are holding a special week for Bucky's birthday that will end on March 19th, so there's still time for you to post something, anything you want, to celebrate him. Do you ship Steve or Tony with Sharon Carter? The Sharon Carter Week is back! From March 19th to March 25th, create for any of the prompts provided in any medium you'd like to celebrate Sharon. Signups and fills for the following are also still ongoing. Cap I Am Bingo, Marvel Fluff Bingo, Marvel Holiday Fest, Cap I Am Com Remix Events and Bingo, STB Steve Tony Bucky Bingo as well as the Lights on Park Avenue monthly prompts. And that brings us to the end of this episode. This has been your events forecast. We hope to see you next episode, friends. Until then, be well and happy shipping. That is a wrap on episode two. Big thank you to Minobu for our cover art this week and to Stella and Riot for talking to me about Winter Iron. Thanks to the podcast staff for all their help and of course to you guys for listening, whether you've been here since the beginning or you are brand new. If you have a topic you want us to dive into on the show for any of our segments, or if you want to share your thoughts and feelings on anything we talked about today or ever, hit us up and let us know you know all the ways and they will be in the show notes. If you have questions, either personal or fandom related, that you want us to answer on air, you can also send those in too. Yeah, we've gotten a couple of questions about doing kind of like an agony ant thing, and we're definitely open to that. So if you've got some uh, anti-flare, it can help you. <laughs> questions, let us know. While you are contemplating those questions, in the meantime, if, if you are somebody who listens to this on a podcast platform, you could remember to rate, review, and subscribe because it really, really does help other folks find us and we can keep expanding the Potscast family. We are so grateful to you. This is your fandom podcast. We say it because we mean it and we want to be having the conversations you guys want to be having too. 
So while you think of questions and review us and rate us and just generally enjoy your life in fandom, we will be busy prepping and we'll see you for episode three. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us.